Welcome, fellow awesomeologists, to Awesomeology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we're welcoming another friend, Kathy Chicas, to help us answer the question, will we and should we go back to normal when we can? And I am super happy to have my friend Kathy here from Farmers Insurance Group Federal Credit Union, right? That is correct. Kathy, you have an impressive resume that notably puts you in places to make a huge difference over your career. Can you give us a snapshot of your experience? Sure. Um, then I think about that and I'm like, whoa, where do I start? So, um, <laughs> so interestingly enough, I didn't start in the credit union space. Um, after college, I started in the recruiting industry um, during the dot-com boom. And I did well there. And then I was promoted to New York City um, to do some recruiting there and, you know, fast track uh, everything. And I think that's where I really learned some true perseverance as many people would in New York City, right? Then uh, 9-11 happened and um, we closed most of our offices and we were hit pretty hard. And so then after that, I took a year off. I, I returned home and I took a year off to travel and just really see the world, figure out what's going on. And then um, I found an opportunity after that with ING Direct, and which is the pioneer in online and digital banking. And I literally kind of started all over. Um, I interviewed with this old guy who today is still my mentor and I love him to death. And um, I had no idea what my job was gonna be. And at that point, because of the way he presented it, I was like, I don't really care if I sweep floors here. like let's do this, you know, <laughs> um, just cause the, the environment there was just, it was amazing. So I literally started all over, um, and I was there for 10 years. So I led the sales team, then the call center, contact center, and then actually ended up leading all of the West coast operations. Then 10 years later, we got purchased by capital one. Um, and I had the option of staying, um, but we closed down our whole operations on the West Coast. Didn't want to move back to the East Coast. I was like, I'm a West Coast girl. <laughs> Need to stay here um, and be with my family. So uh, I actually ended up finding a position at, um, I, I wanted to stay within service, um, the, the service industry. It didn't necessarily have to be financial, but I found that credit unions do it different, right? So that's where I said, okay, well, you know, let's go down this route. Um, and I found a position with Farmers Insurance Federal Credit Union, and I've been with them for nine years now. So um, it's been awesome. Sounds awesome. So much interesting experience. I just, I cannot wait to talk to you about like everything ever. So we're <laughs> definitely not going to get it all today. But the first thing I want to talk to you about is a thing that I know is that you and Ben met through I3. And our last episode, we talked to Josh and Danya about DEI and some of their projects uh, in the last round of I3. And you were also in that group. So would love to hear just a little bit about your group's project and whatever you want to tell us about that. Sure. Um, well, so Filene I3 program, it really it provides you with a space to really think differently and, and execute on that. And for this last project, we really put our whole, I want to say just heart and soul into it. And, but it was a big ocean to boil, right? And because we're talking about DEI and diversity, equity, inclusion, isn't something small and kind of like, where do you start? But we said to ourselves, in order to start, then we need to know where we currently are. And that's really where we 
took the project is we said, okay, you know, what are some of the tools and what are some of the things that are happening right now? And so our group in itself, we um, looked at the NCUA uh, DEI self-assessment and we said, hey, like there's a lot of gaps here. There's some info that, that we can uh, obtain here to figure out, you know, how can we help credit unions? So we actually use our networks, um, each of us, and we were able to, believe it or not, get more response than the NCUA was from the credit <laughs> unions. <laughs> so we got more response from our fellow credit unions on why aren't they taking, you know, the assessment or um, if they are taking it, what are they getting out of it? Um, and we presented those findings back to the NCUA um, and the NCUA loved it. And uh, we actually have another presentation with the chairman um, next week, I believe it is. So um, we want to make some progress there to really help credit unions. So that's a start. I mean, and that's only like a finger in, you know, we want to like do more and bigger and better things. So we'll figure out where we go from there, but that's where we are now. And it has been an amazing experience. I mean, people, the the team that, you know, I'm with, um, especially I think our cohort, we really came together, right. As, as the wave 15 to make our last project a really meaningful and impactful one. Yeah, for sure. It was, First off, an honor to be serving with you in that cause of our last uh, cycle. I mean, we it, it was really, really cool for the whole uh, group to come together and do projects around a, a central theme. And um, you're totally right as far as all of our work being just like this scratch on the surface of this big old thing, right? Um, but yeah. I mean, it, it starts there, you know, and I think that that's just really important to remind anyone who's considering doing anything in that space that it's going to, it has to feel small right away for it to feel like anything. And, um, you know, I think that that did align with a lot of other experiences for me in I3. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of the whole group where it didn't really matter what we were charged with to do. Um, you always saw this like spectrum of results that came of it. Sometimes yeah. it was something as simple as like taking this survey that the NCUA does and, um, like, diving into that and, and learning something about how that can be done better, how it can be more impactful, meaningful, et cetera. Or sometimes it's like, like this brand new idea for, you know, whatever, a, an app or a new solution or a new product or whatever that's, you know, um, big in its own way and totally new and, you know, maybe nobody ever heard of it before or whatever. And, and then everything in between, right? So, and that, that's one thing that I really loved uh about the i3 experience is that like innovation and change and stuff like that it doesn't always have to be like some techie new app it doesn't always have right. to be even like some brand new original idea it might be as filene said taking something and making it just a little bit better and i think your guys's project was like case in point like this thing that's been around that we know can just be better and also, whatever it whatever shape it takes in the next three weeks, three months, whatever, it's going to be totally different than 30 years from now or whatever. Right. And that's just innovation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was funny because when we presented the findings to the NCUA, they were so appreciative and they were just like, oh, like I never looked at it that way. You know, small little things that we were just like, hey, even changing the title on this page or you know, yeah. <laughs> something like that that you would think. Uh, hello, like, why isn't somebody thinking of that? <laughs> it 
they were like, oh, and they were like viciously taking notes, you know? So, um, and they were like, hey, we want to follow up with you just to make sure we got everything because it's good stuff. So, um, and they were really, really appreciative to you know, Filene and the i3 team, you know what I mean, for that. So um, I'm yeah. excited to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, congrats on your work. It was an awesome project. Uh, transitioning now back to our regularly scheduled program of going back to the <laughs> new normal. Uh, looking over uh, the last year, uh, as long or as short as it might have felt, um, what what do you think is something that has changed substantially that you thought was stalled prior to the pandemic? So first, I would like to say, who deems what normal really is? I'm going to mm. throw a deep thought question back at you, right? <laughs> because I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, so who's the person that came up with normal? normal? What? Who's to say what is really normal? That's just something to think about for everybody out there, right? right? Um, but going back to your question, Ben, I think one of the things that we really learned was to be agile, right? And with the quickness, I think we moved quicker to resolution for a lot of things, um, especially within the credit union movement. I know um, us at uh, Farmers Insurance Federal Credit Union, it was, I mean, we were like, whoa, transition to a remote workforce real fast, right? And then um, push forward mobile wallets and do these things that we thought were gonna take us maybe like years, you know what I mean, to potentially do, do them in like weeks, you know? So I think it taught us a lot there um, from that perspective. So agility. You know, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing we walked away with. Yeah, and I definitely, from my perspective, I think one of the things, you know, thinking about agility and that moving people to working from home, we at, at Simplicity have had four years conversations about what does it look like if we wanted to have a remote workforce? How can, how can we make that happen? What are, you know, and really, and... And this is not, this is no tea, no shade on our mindset before the pandemic of being careful, doing your due diligence, all of that stuff. But it, I think, especially coming from our marketing team, where we were really trying to experiment um, with being able to be a little more nimble with where we're working, being able to work from home when we had to, some of those things. And uh, we never really flipped the switch to make it, to say, okay, guys, marketing team is going to do this. Here's a good, here's a good format you can do it in. Let's all work this out. We just sort of, we did it a little, little bit by a little bit. And then one day, a whole group of, a whole group of us, um, leaders from the credit union were sitting in our basement training room and said, we've got to send everybody home. And, you know, in two days, a whole, like, more than, more than 50% of our team, right? Ben, am I uh, making that yeah. up? Is that an imaginary number? Sounds right. <laughs> we'll make it up. So more than 50% of the team with the credit union was working from home. So exactly to your point, Kathy, you know, these things that you think will take years to figure out and you you know you're trying to pick apart and make everything so perfect we we had to go okay now we're doing that thing and really had to be comfortable with this idea that we were going to miss things that there were things that we weren't going to think of 
and we were going to have to be good with moving forward anyway, picking them up as we could, and um, really adopting a super agile mindset. What about you, Ben? What do you? Is there something else? Bring it. I mean, I, I'm sh I'm certain there's something else, um, but I can't <laughs> help. And I think because I'm here, I am recording this from home, right? I think I can't help yeah. but, um, you know come back to what both of you have said that I, I do think that that's a thing that I don't know if it was stalled pre pandemic, like the whole work from home or mobility idea. But um, it definitely like wasn't moving at the pace that it could have and one might argue should have been moving at, you know, um, and easy for us to say now that it should have been going quicker, especially when we can look back and see how quickly it happened when it had to, you know what I mean? So um, I just think that that's something that um, definitely wasn't moving at the pace that it probably could have. And we, we just proved it that like, this is a thing that we can figure out really quickly when we need to. Of course, I can't help um, but think of so many other things that um, would affect our business uh, specifically, or, you know, might affect the world. Things like in our business space, like mobile banking and digital adoption and stuff, which, you know, that's been going on for years, but how many members have chosen to, you know, behave with, old behaviors because it's still allowed or, you know, we still offer it, whatever. Um, so there's that, there's that kind of stuff that probably with some intention or maybe some force, whether it be something like a pandemic happening or maybe regulation, I don't know, whatever, um, we could make happen really quickly for our businesses and for our members. And then there's other things like uh, it, apparently today we're just going to bounce back and forth between DEI and remote workforce, but yeah. DEI stuff like, like equality and things like that. Like, again, things that, um, you know, we've had some stuff happen this year that have made some of these conversations happen sooner. Um, but even that like is a, a thing that I feel we're still in a, in a space where it's maybe not stalled, but is it moving as fast as it could mm -hmm. be or should be? And mm -hmm. I think the definite answer to that is no, like, we could do a lot more in the realm of DEI quicker, faster, with more intention if we wanted to. I shouldn't say that. I think we all want to. But, um, you know, if there was some greater force like a pandemic that had to make it happen. And another thing we've learned through the pandemic is um, maybe the, the scale of um, variance in the realm of DEI, like how much inequality there really is, you know, the mm -hmm. pandemics really opened our eyes to a lot of those things too. So, um, boy, I feel like I went on like five tangents in that thought, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, it, it's just all of that stuff. I can't help but think of all the positive that's come out of the necessity that was required to get through the pandemic. And I think it's an, an amazing thing. And if we could somehow keep that momentum going without exhausting ourselves, it'd be amazing. We just got to figure that out. <laughs> Yeah, there really is this whole, there was this whole sense. And I think, I don't think it's just our organization. So Kathy, tell me if it was at your organization too, where we started suddenly to be really okay with saying, we don't know how to do that. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And just, you know, just doing it and moving forward. And all of those things that we thought, ooh, we'll never, you know, we'll, that's too hard to take on. We're not going to take it on, whatever, just to suddenly say, okay, well, we have to move forward anyway. We don't have any choice. Things like closing lobbies that, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a momentous thing to think about a year and a half ago. Right. Right, right. No, you're right. And I think that 
that's where you're right. That's exactly where the difference lies. And like, for me, it, you know, from where I came from before it was, we were really on like the whole Apple kick, right. Where it's, you know, Steve jobs and his stay hungry, stay foolish. Right. And I think about that all the time and for credit unions, I'm like, we're hungry, but we're not that hungry. You know what I mean? And we're also not that foolish. Like, so, and the stay hungry, stay foolish is want more and be okay with taking the risks. Right. So I think this pandemic kind of helped us fast forward that a little bit and visualize and kind of see that, Hey, we can do that. Um, but I'm with you, Ben. That's my thing is, can we sustain it? Right. right. Will we able to be, you know, to keep that mindset and, and the longevity you know what I mean? But is there going to be longevity behind it? So, yeah. So maybe where Steve Jobs is stay hungry, stay foolish. Credit unions are like, stay hungry, but bring a snack. <laughs> stay foolish, but not too foolish. <laughs> no, it's, 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 yeah, it's bring a snack and um, be conservative. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So these are just good Midwestern values, Kathy. I can't even listen. You bring a snack wherever you're going. It's just good advice. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> so Ben, uh, well, to both of you, back to your point, Ben, of pivoting between DEI and work stuff. Uh, what's something that needs to change and has either hasn't pivoted to meet the moment or is starting to stall. You know, DEI to me feels like that we're in a really natural space. We were, uh, so we were, we have felt this inflection point, a lot of us over the last year. And I do have some concerns that there are organizations now that are going, oh, well, you know, we kind of, kind of don't have to do that. We can, we can still have, we can have a snack. <laughs> Well, I think they do the check the box thing, right? And I think, Ben, that's something that we talked about in our um, cohort that we want to make sure that, you know, credit unions and you know, people that are involved in the movement are just checking the box to be like, oh, check. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm part of the DEI collective or, you know, something like that. I think we need to continue to think different and push for more options. Know that those options that are presented to us might not be the only ones there. But I feel like we kind of settle for those that we see, maybe, um, unless there's a person that is brave or courageous enough to speak up in that space and be like, hey, I have another idea, right? But those are far and few between. And that's where I think the challenge is, is how do we continue to create that space, right? So that's the part where I think we need to pivot on is creating that space that's that's open so that those people can be brave enough and courageous enough to say something because i think we have the resilience and the resolve right but we still aren't where we ought to be as credit unions but it is partly in due to the fact that we're not creating enough of that space for people to speak up yeah i think that another thing that maybe you know still needs to change or maybe hasn't quite gone all the way that it could have because of everything that's gone on in the world is um, things like the adoption of digital services or, you know, you know, speaking of like credit union specific stuff, you know, anything that can happen outside of a branch, right? And I, I guess maybe it's too early for me to like call this one as like too slow to change or whatever. Maybe it's yet to be proven as we reopen 
whether that's literally reopening our branches or as the world reopens and we all start moving around again and stuff. Um, we'll see like how much of how many of the habits that have kind of been formed over the last year stick around or what those changes mean for um, like our networks of people. So, you know, for instance, we know that there's some members who have um, done things online, maybe downloaded the app for the first time. I'll never forget when everything first started going down, how all of a sudden these members who never had an email address now they have an email address to like, because they need it to access their money and stuff. Right. And I mean, you know, and I really trying to be sensitive to people's preferences and their behaviors and stuff, but at the same time, like, what would it mean for our organizations? And at the end of the day, what would it mean for our members if we could all be that much more profitable or more efficient with the resources that we have, because people are using the services that make us those things most efficient and most profitable and stuff. So, um, you know, right now, I think credit unions and I suppose a lot of businesses are in this tough spot where we all kind of have to be a lot to everyone or almost all things to everyone. Like we have to have branches, we have to have that proximity, but then we also need to offer every single form of digital service so that we can compete with the capital ones and the fintechs and all of that stuff. Right. So, um, and, and that's great. And members that might be listening, we're super happy to do all of that. But also if you're open to like participating in some of these new things that we're able to offer, that might mean we save on people time, or we can dedicate people time to other things to make the member experience even that much more better. You know, what, 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 what does that future look like? And I don't think that we're there yet. I think that we're like mm -hmm. dabbling in a lot of these things and some members are doing some of it. Some definitely are not. What would it look like if like there was true adoption with those kind of things? And I think that that's a thing that's still kind of stalled, even after everything that we've been through, where we've seen how easy it is for people to finally use remote deposit or finally transfer them <laughs> money via yeah. the app or whatever. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I like where you're, where you're going with that. I mean, we got to think of utilizing even the resources differently, right. To try and, you know, accomplish some of these things. And can we really be everything to everyone? You know, I think credit unions, we gotta, we gotta think about that. Like sometimes I think we try to do too much. Like we bend mm -hmm. over backwards for our members. And I know that we do that. And sometimes it's like a major pain point for us. So is that really, I'm not saying it, question if it's worth it it's always worth it because it's for the member right? right but i think is that what we really stand for and is that will that allow us to sustain our business right moving forward you just got to think about those things yeah that is that is such good food for thought because when especially when you start to set it next to or superimpose the other things you could be doing with that space and that time, the other people you could be helping, the underserved people, you know, if you, uh, and let's tie the, the sort of organizational operational side of the financial industry and DEI together and say, if <clears throat> in a very real way, if people who could be using mobile deposit and online banking and mobile wallet, all of these things, um, we're using them so that we were getting the most out of our investment in them, then that means more success for the credit union, which means more opportunity to serve the underserved, which, you know, it just, 
I, I really, I think I'm pitching the idea that if more people used online banking, the world would be better. I think is where I'm actually coming to with an I like, I like where you're going. <laughs> it's just a theory right now. <laughs> it's a good theory. Stick with it. Yeah. All right. So Kathy, uh, you know, I'm, uh, over, I'm, I'm overall a pretty darn positive person. There's not too much that gets me down in the dumps, but Paint me a paint me a doom and gloom here. What would be the consequences of settling back into familiar patterns and setting aside all the lessons that we've learned over the last year? Oh, <laughs> it just doesn't you can sound just good. Stay here, just stay here for just a minute with me, and then we'll right. get right back okay. to the shiny just stuff. Okay. For just a minute. <laughs> Yeah, go back to the shiny stuff. All right. Um, so I think for us as businesses, it will, it'll stunt our growth, right? I think we'll kind of stay in the same space and almost like just going through the motions, right? Kind of thing. And I don't know, that's not where we want to be, right? Our whole thing is we're trying to keep up with the pace of all these larger institute, financial institutions, especially, and trying to gain, right, some space in there, Um but how do we do that? I think, um, yeah, it's, we can't, we can't stay where we are and, and we can't move backwards either. I don't think those are either one of those are not good options. So our only option is to carry on. And move forward. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give? I mean, you, you talked to circling back to your point about making space for courage, making space for change makers. What advice would you offer to those change makers to help them maintain, maintain momentum and control some of that momentum of change so things can keep moving forward? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think um, change makers, I mean, just even going through like quick, right? And it's like, hey, let's do this, let's do it. Everything is always do, do, do. Um, I think we need to to control that and make sure that you are moving, in fact, in the right direction. Um, granted, you know, there will be failures probably along the way, which is good. You learn from those, right? But I think you need to focus on the why. And throughout that journey, you really need to listen because I think there is beauty in shared perspective. So a lot of the times when I have people come into my office and they're like riled up, you know what I mean? About some change that's going on. I have to sit them down and it's almost like a therapy session. You know, <laughs> I have to be like, okay, so let's think about this. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, why do you feel that way? And, you know, what are you feeling? What's going on? And it's really, and then I do the, Hey, do you mind? Can I share some perspective with you? And here's what I think. And here's this and here, you know, and, I think just sharing that type of perspective with people, it just helps them open up a little bit and focus, like I said, share the why with them. Like, this is why we're doing Because a lot of times I think through change, there's no why presented. It's just, this is what we're doing, right? And we need to do it because we're our business and we're trying to move forward. But there's more to it than that, right? There's a lot more to it. And people want to know, how does this impact me? Right. Personally, has you know, that they don't care about the, I mean, some of them do. Yes. We care about the big business, like the bigger picture, but for the most part, they're thinking right now here. And when you're presenting this information to me, I'm supposed to just digest it. How am I going to take that in? How does this impact me? So, yeah, I think there's a lot to say about that. Um, I think there's the focus on the why and the listen. Yeah. 
I, ben, just you don't have any experience with employees coming into your office all riled up and just and having to talk them down. You don't. That's unfamiliar to you, right? You've never heard no of that. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> ben, we should have a chat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kathy, you said so many great things. Like, I don't even know where to start. Just like the, I mean, understanding the why, like, and applying that to so much that we do both in business and in life. Right. Like, I think that's so important and, um, you know, kind of like connecting that to some of the stuff we've been talking about, like, you know, digital transformation and other change that might affect members or people and stuff like without properly communicating the why and and not even communicating it, like really having people understand it and be bought into it and be a part of the why and stuff. It helps take something like digital transformation, which on the surface, people can make assumptions and be like, oh, well, that means like everything's going to be automated and the world's going to be run by robots and nobody's going to have jobs. And really like when <laughs> totally. you get down to when you get down to the yeah. why of it, you know, and really the why, especially with a lot of what we do, really truly being for the member at the center uh -huh. of it all, you know, it does mean that people lose their jobs. What it actually means is we get to provide this amazing experience to members and all of the time that we save because of this new technology or whatever, whatever, we can reallocate all those people to making that stuff work even better. And then look at the next yeah. thing and make that even better. So, you know, but without communicating that, you know, people might look at that and just be like, oh, that new thing that's in the McDonald's lobby means that people don't work at the register anymore which on some level might have some truth to it, but all of those people need to go on the backside and support that or mm -hmm. do the next thing, you know? And so, but without people really understanding and being bought into that, it's really tough to make the doom and gloom assumption, you know? Mm -hmm. so, ugh, love, like it's Simon Sinek, right? Like knowing your why, all that good stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you, Ben, you made a really good point about that sort of the difference, the distinction between communicating it and making sure people understand it yeah. and that, that I think that's huge that because I think we especially as marketing people sometimes we can be guilty of over communicating a thing and just I mean I'm not, I will take full responsibility for using too many words for a thing but <laughs> If, if the focus isn't on making sure then that you're getting the feedback that there's understanding, then all of those words don't help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know that for me early on, like I learned, Hey, know your audience, right. And make it easily digestible for said audience. And right. I was like, Oh, um, I got a lot of work to do. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. Well, I mean, this has been awesome. We're talking to Kathy. So it's, it's awesome in itself, but we're going to move to our final segment of sharing something even more awesome or just something awesome right alongside Kathy, whatever. <laughs> Clearly we don't have an awesome name for this final segment, but we're one day, <laughs> Sue, we're going to have an awesome name for this something awesome thing that we're doing. Or we so, won't, and that'll still be awesome. Yeah. And it's still just going to be something awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to kick it off with my awesome something for this week, which is a book that I am reading right now. So when I was thinking about what this might be, um, it was really easy. Uh, it just popped into my head because uh, it's a thing I'm soaking up, which is this book called Out of the Silence After the Crash by Eduardo Strach. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Sorry uh, if 
anybody knows him that might be listening because I'm really <laughs> hopeful that our audience is that big and people are. Um, but anyways, it's about a Uruguayan rugby team that was in a plane crash in 1972. They crashed in the Andes Mountains and coincidentally, they were stuck there for 72 days. So like that story is just amazing how they adapted and survived and, and spoiler alert, some of them, many of them did survive. Um, but uh, the book is broken down in ways where uh, like each chapter is kind of dedicated to a separate factor or aspect of that experience, right? Like everything like time and how time felt a certain way and the perception of it was really different while they were stuck up in the mountains, things like um, teamwork and all that good stuff. But there was a chapter that was all about love and how love was like for many of them that survived, like the thing that gave them the power when they were starving and disease ridden and bones literally broken. And they're just like trying to get out of there. Right. Um, and there's this quote at the end of the chapter that I thought was just so good. And I think that sometimes when we, you know, are talking about things like DEI or what we do for our members or our businesses and stuff, like sometimes you just have to bring it back to like a simple word to bring some focus and maybe get us to that why, right? And is there a better word than love to do that? So the quote is that if love is the most important thing in life and that if love is not present in some form, no action, however right it may seem, makes any sense at all. And I just love it. <laughs> love it. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, think about everything that we do, you know, in our lives, family, business, any of that kind of stuff. Like sometimes we feel like we can get on this hamster wheel from time to time, or we're not maybe feeling the fulfillment and the thing that we're doing. Uh, and really, I mean, this spans from everything from like the mundane task at home to maybe the mundane part of your job that you just have to do. Right. But when you can answer that question of why am I doing this? And if there's any aspect of love in that, it probably means you're doing the right thing, you know? So, um, just an awesome filter to look through as we're like making decisions and moving along day to day. Right. It's all about love. Let's just love each other. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's do, you have any, do you have anything you want to share, Kathy? Um, to top that, oh, um, I know it's a tough one, right? Yeah, I'm like, man. Um, I will share because I am. Uh, I refer back to. I'm a big reader, um, and I refer back to this a lot, especially you know with my team, um, and when uh, throughout our whole I3 journey, uh, something that Aubrey and I um, talked about a lot. Um, we talked about grit. And so one of my favorite books is by Angela Duckworth and it's grit, the power of perseverance. It's really, really talks about what goes on through your head, right? When you kind of fall down and the tenacity, like I said, perseverance, you know, that you <clears throat> need to have to kind of move forward. And it goes through, um, she interviews like a few people like Will Smith, you know, things like that. And, you know, talks to these people about what is it, right, that, that kind of keeps you going right, and, and moves you forward. So I think it's a really engaging and empowering book. Um, and I think with everything that we've been through, um, 
we've got a lot, we have resilience, right? As, as human, human beings, as humankind, like there's a lot of resilience going on. Um, but I think to take that one step further, we're going to need a lot more grit, right? To, to get through it. So <clears throat> I think for me, um, also just to share a meaningful quote, um, because I also see baby Yoda in your background, Sue, and I'm a crazy Star Wars fan. Um, and I just use this quote on my pool guy, um, because we're building a pool out back and they've pushed back the date for the project and you know, things like that. And he was like, uh, I, I told him I need it. I need to make sure that it's done by July 4th. And he was like, I'll try. And I said, are you kidding me? And so I sent him a little, a little Yoda <laughs> quote, and it's one of my favorites and it's do or do not. There is no try. Right. And I think for me, it's the, it's, don't give up, like make it happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, and I've, I'm a huge Star Wars fan and I feel like I've lived by that quote for like ever since we were kids. Um, just make it happen. Right. There's no trying. Right? Do or do not. Very nice. Right. Very wise, wise words, Yoda. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as long as we're at, we're kind of on a book kick, I ha I did not share this book last time because I hadn't finished it. And I don't know what I thought would happen because I was about, almost done with it. <clears throat> the last time we recorded, I don't know what I thought would happen that, that I suddenly wouldn't like it. But um, my book recommendation right now more toward the fiction side. I just finished The Good Lord Bird. And The Good Lord Bird, they just did, and I haven't seen it yet. Ethan Hawke did a miniseries about it. It's about John Brown. Um, but it's told from the perspective of a 12-year-old slave. And John mm -hmm. Brown was an abolitionist, and he was a little crazy. He was a lot crazy. But <clears throat> he basically took, he got it in his head that he was going to take on and end slavery with his group of about 13 to 20 men. And <laughs> so it follows uh, the character, Onion is what he calls this boy, um, who he thinks is a girl. It's very confusing. You have to read it to understand, what it, <laughs> understand it. But it, it's told through the perspective of that character rather than John Brown himself. And so it's just, it's a really, it's a really interesting lesson in storytelling. It's an interesting lesson in history because it is part fictionalized because it's, you know, of course, fictionalizing what's going on in people's heads at the time, but it is also a true story of someone who was incredibly brave edging toward not really being in the realm of reality kind of brave but had a cause fought for the cause and um so a very cool story and that james mcbride is the author and it's the good lord bird so that's my recommendation awesome holy cow yeah we have some, we have some links to share don't we <laughs> Yes, I think so. That's cool. So any of these links, all of the stuff we will link out to. So you have ways to find what we are recommending this. And this is your regular reminder that you can find all of our podcast uh, episodes um, on your favorite podcast app, or you can visit our blog at exclamationcuso.com slash blog. And our episodes are all there along with other cool content that we are sharing out. Awesome. 
Effie, Chicas, thank you so much for being here with us today. It was a pleasure as I totally expected it to be. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Awesome. It's our fun, right? I think yes, so. I know. Well, Kathy said it, so hey. <laughs> Kathy said it, it's true. And we recorded it, so. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> Thanks again, Kathy, for being here. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and checking us out. This is Sue and Ben, your self-proclaimed professors of awesomeology, reminding you that life's awesome when you make it awesome. We'll see you next time.